The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to a new era of the Baseball Insiders Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib. I'm your new co-host, but most importantly, alongside me, as always, as you're used to, and as will be the case in perpetuity, MLB Insider, Robert Murray. How you doing, man? I'm wonderful, man. How are you? It's good to finally be here, man. Been a long time coming. It feels great. Um, And so everyone knows I uh, am beyond excited to be facilitating this. I am not a Texas Rangers fan, not even a little bit. Um, my real fandom, that will remain a secret, although it's extremely Googleable. You could find out in two seconds. Um, but I am not a Texas Rangers fan. I am, however, a Nolan Ryan fan because of the consistency, because of the longevity, and because of the fact that he threw his fastball at its best every damn day. So I assure you that what I will do on this podcast is throw my best fastball and throw it every time you put us on the air. Robert, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, We're going to be going deep on the MLB playoff bracket, which is uh, not quite finalized, but almost finalized, finalized enough for us to talk about it. Obviously, you're going to be dropping us tidbits. Got some big breaking news this weekend. Don Mattingly in Miami. What does it mean? Who's next? What's next for the Marlins, and where does he go? Plus, MLB history being made on one Apple TV broadcast and being stalled on another in Los Angeles with Albert Pujols and in New York with Aaron Judge. We're still waiting. Uh, what's to be said about those events? Is somebody pressing and is somebody opening up their pockets for Judge as he continues to get closer to Roger Maris's history, which say what you will about it, it's still history. Um, let's start there, of course. Uh, Albert Pujols was the one to actually do it hitting both 699 and 700 on Friday night in front of a national-ish audience. I mean, if you have Apple TV+, Plus, you had the game. Uh, And he did it in back-to-back ABs, did it in spectacular fashion. The call let the moment breathe. I thought it was wonderfully handled. Uh, Where were you when Pujols went yard? And uh, we probably will never see 700 again. So 
I want to soak up that moment with you. Yeah, I'll tell you, I was, I'll admit it, I was not tuned in live. I was actually <laughs> at a bar with some friends, just like doing my thing. And all of a sudden, I like, I looked at my phone and I saw pools ended up hitting that 700th home run. And you know how you hear about baseball is dying, Adam? Yeah. Like, I'm not kidding you. Like, there's people in my corner, like, in my, like, who I was hanging out with, even people that I had never knew, um, all started talking about pools hitting the 700th home run. And I thought that was really cool. Maybe baseball isn't dying after all. Who would have thought? But I'll tell you, pools hitting 700, like, he defied the odds, Adam. Like, that is just coming into the season, that was not even on my radar. It required him hitting 20-plus home runs, and he ended up doing it. And also, his run got the Cardinals, like, in the division. Like, they're going to win that division unless they collapse. Um, very impressive. That's going to be a team that is very fascinating come playoff time, I think. Yeah, and I definitely want to talk about them in the in the bracket section because, I mean, maybe it's the sentimental man in me talking, and, and we could definitely delve into this now a little bit. But I feel like a lot of attention is being paid uh, to the Dodgers, and rightfully so. Um, I mean, no one is – we're not kidding around here. This is a record-approaching team. They're going to break the franchise wins record. They're going to approach the all-time MLB wins record. We're all – people are bullish on the Dodgers for good reason. But yep. there's that sentimental factor of the Cardinals and of this being Yadier Molina's final season, Albert Pujols' final season. For It's got to be. I mean, you, you have to go out on top after oh. doing 699 and 700. And Adam Wainwright is sort of saying, like, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it when the season's over. But you, you got to expect all three of them to probably go out together. What about going out on top? And the Dodgers are as sustainable as greatness gets. But 2020, they delivered with the ultimate goal. They won the World Series. All of the other seasons where they have run away with the NL West, they have come up short at the finish line. And it's been the Cardinals to deliver that final blow several times. 2013, they did it. Uh, the the Matt Holiday year was really the only year that, where he dropped that pop-up and it bounced off his body and rolled around on the ground. Where the Dodgers actually got him. But 13 and 14, you've got you know Kershaw collapsing at big moments. The Cardinals have been there for a lot of Dodgers turmoil. And so I think a lot of people are underrating what it took to get Albert Pujols to this moment. I mean, a platoon player with 20-plus home runs this year getting to a milestone no one ever expected. But now it's sort of time to think about that next step of like, is this a storybook team? It kind of feels like it, honestly. Like I was going to, like I was tempted to tweet along the mid season line. The Cardinals have the feel mm-hmm. and they did. The only thing they lacked was pitching. Um, and then they at the deadline, they got Jordan Montgomery from the Yankees. Then they got Jose Quintana and the rotation issues basically got solved. Now they got Jack Flaherty back to, uh, their bullpen's been decent. Like their offense, it's it's struggled lately. Like, um, but they have Nolan Arenado, who's probably going to win the MVP. Paul Gold or uh, Paul Goldschmidt was likely going to win the MVP. Rather, uh, Nolan Arenado has been awesome. Like they got some really good pieces. And it's not just the nostalgia factor. It's like they have the nostalgia, but they also have the talent to get this thing done. Do they have enough to get by the Dodgers, who basically have talent everywhere? Um, that being said, Adam, they do have a bit of a leak in the late innings of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, um, who they acquired to be like the guy in the ninth inning, uh, was taken out of that role before the playoffs here. So how they handle that's going to be very interesting. Team that scares me. Actually, there's two teams that scare me. 
the Mets because of DeGrom and Scherzer. Like, that absolutely terrifies me. Um, they also have some other really good pitching. Um, so, I mean, like, in a short series, figure if you're tied 3-3 going into a game seven, you have to go up, up against probably, like, at least one of those, but perhaps two of them. Very scary. Um, then the Braves. They won it last year, um, which, I mean, and they look just as good as they did last year. Very scary team. Cardinals, like, I'm not rolling them out by any means. I actually think they have a shot at this, but it ain't going to be easy. That's what I'm trying to say here. No, no. It's not going to be easy. It's it's like, I mean, we've seen the Cardinals make World Series runs as the cute team in the past. And, like, obviously this is also cute, right? No one is pretending this is not, like, an adorable goodbye to baseball from from best friends. I think what's it's, it's actually emblematic of what this podcast is going to be. You have too much credibility to tweet something like the Cardinals have the feel in the middle of the season. I have no credibility and will absolutely tweet things like that with impunity. Like that's, we think the same things, but I can tweet that. I can tweet like, I don't know. It's just a vibe. I don't know. I'm feeling it. And you, you could, when you, whenever you have vibes, you can send me your vibes and I'll tweet them out for you. Done. Yeah. We're actually every single time Adam tweets out a vibe, it's, basically going to be from me so i'll just we'll, we'll get ahead of that now how's that sound yeah it sounds good to me it sounds good to everybody i assume uh the Pujols ball yep. 700 ended up in the hands of uh somebody who i don't know what the inner working negotiations here were uh there were some discussions he was waiting to meet albert Pujols, and then he just decided, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave the stadium. I'm going to hold the ball for myself for a little bit. Holding balls versus giving balls away is is in the uh, Aaron Judge context. It's, you know, the, the judge's 60th obviously hasn't hit 61 and 62 yet. The 60th ball went to a kid who just wanted to give it to Judge immediately. Had no, you know, re- had absolutely no problem with just being like, he's meant so much to the franchise. Uh, he, he is somebody we want to resign. I'm going to give him this moment. I'm so glad he had one at home. Patrick Allen asked this question in the comments. uh, You know, should the guy have who caught the judge ball have kept it, try to sell it, or or was it smart to give it back? I mean, I I feel like we just saw two sides of the coin. And I also feel like if judge hit 61, 62, or both in Toronto, brother, he's not getting those balls back. So uh, I think, you know, I can see where the judge fan was coming from, but at the same time, 60 isn't 61. And 699 isn't 700. The guy who cut Pujols is 700th walked away pretty quickly. And I feel like the guys who catch Judges 61st and 62nd, uh, regardless of whether it's Zach Hample, are probably going to do the same thing and sit on it. I don't know where you sit on this. What What are you doing if the ball comes to you? See if I, Okay, I got to be straight up. If a ball, let's say I catch Judges 61st or 62nd home run ball, I am going to try to negotiate get as much as I can back. I, that's yeah. I think you, I think you got, what did the fan get uh, in return for judges 60th? Uh, very little, like the consolation yeah, prize. Yeah. Like uh, it was, I mean, he got a picture with judge. Congrats. That's a big one. I don't have that. Right. That, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, and Me some neither. signed balls. I don't think he even leveled up to sign jerseys. Cause I wrote like, he got some jerseys, and then I checked the data, and it was like, ooh, no, he actually just got some balls. So you should ask for jerseys. That's tough. Uh, a early grade on that return for me is a D-. That, uh, <laughs> that's tough scenes. That's really tough scenes. 
Um, but I will say like the fan that ended up like keeping pools is 700th. That takes a set of, or not. Yeah. It's 700th. That takes a set of stones um, because that's going to be a pretty controversial one. Um, but pools handled that really well and said like, that's meant for the fans. Um, I, I give him a lot of credit cause he could have went in a different direction with it. But throughout this entire season, like even in previous years too, you can tell like, um, Pools has a real deep appreciation for the game, the fans, like everything that surrounds it. So I'm not surprised by how he handled it, but um, it would be cool if he eventually got that back just so he could keep it because it's, I mean, that's, he's one of four people who have hit 700 home runs. Like that's, that's pretty freaking cool, Adam. I'm a, I'm a huge baseball fan in that regard, like milestones and, and whatnot. Like I think that just, that was cool. That actually gave me goosebumps when I saw you hit 700. Oh, I, I mean, it, I didn't watch 699. I have to admit, I was uh, coming off a long Yankee game to, uh, you know, what, down to the wire, 5-4 game in the ninth. Yanks hailed, hold on for the save. I got somewhere to go the next morning. I'm ready to go to bed. But then, w- wouldn't you know it, the Twitter machine delivers me the information that he hit 699. I'm like, you got me. I'll do, I'll do one more at-bat. I'll do the next at-bat. And then... Thank you, Albert, for for getting it done in a timely fashion for me. Uh, but at first hug, like you talk about chills, first hug, Adrian Beltre. Then the broadcast sort of just goes down the dugout and watches him hug every single person in that Cardinals dugout, captures Dave Roberts leaping out of the dugout and then remembering he doesn't have Albert Pujols anymore and then kind of being like, oh, never mind. I, I hate this. I awesome. hate losing. I love that. I thought that was one of the coolest moments of it all is just like Roberts being a baseball fan. And then all of a sudden remembering like, Oh shit, like this guy's not on my team anymore. Like don't cheer. Um, it was just, I don't know. I, I thought also, how about uh, pools going over to Adrian Beltre first over any of his teammates? I thought that was cool mm-hmm. too. I, I don't know what their relationship is like, but I got to imagine since he did that, they, they got to be pretty close. Yeah. And, and there aren't many, like they don't make, people like like 500 homers 3,000 hits these are numbers we're not seeing every day and and we're going to be answering some tough questions in the hall of fame race the next couple of years we've just spent a decade doing it with bonds and clemens more are on the horizon but beltre and pujols at this moment are like a class by themselves of sort of these shoe-ins who've hit classic milestones like you don't have to stretch to figure out and i'm a big as big a sabermetrics guy as anybody but the Tim Raines case and Scott Rowland and all these upcoming ones. It's a lot of like, Hey, if you look through this peephole and really like contort yourself, you can see like various milestones that you might not be so familiar with that they hit Pujols and Beltran's 500, 600, 700 done 3000 hits book it. Like it's the easiest case of all time. And, and Pujols said quote after that game to be able to do it here at Dodger stadium, where my joy for the game came back was pretty special. That was evident before he ever said it. It was clear last year he regained some joy for the game that might have been lost. It's also just as special that he went back to St. Louis this year. But if you just think of the first 10 years of Pujols' career and then the last two, um, I mean, that's really all you need. That's an extremely special tenure. And Bert, give credit to the NL adopting the universal DH. Without that, we might never have seen this moment. That Actually, that's a very good thought because I didn't even think about that. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. 
To participate, simply fill up an Orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm also wondering now, if there was no universal DH, does Pools go to the Cardinals this year? Where, like, where is he? Is he even playing? I mean, we don't know these answers. Maybe he just goes to another American League team. But um, I will say, like, the universal DH, like, I'm a – I was a traditionalist in the, in the fact that, like, I actually liked the pitcher hitting, even though it was laughable about 99% of the time. But it's, it's, brought, it's brought more excitement. We've been able to see pools hit this milestone. We've been able to see a lot of different moments throughout this entire year. Um, and you know what? I'm a fan of it. And we're also going to have some more rule changes coming up after this year, which that is going to be very, very, very interesting to see how that all plays out. But let me tell you, like, Freaking, hey, we got Kurt Menching, uh, a fan side of the legend, by the way, saying DH for the win. Um, Kurt is a very, very fine fellow. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's one of my personal favorites, and I love you, Kurt, very much. <laughs> yeah, Kurt's great. The, the rules after this season are going to take even more getting used to. And, and I, was, I was pro, but not strongly pro. You could sell me on pitchers hitting, but... With the Pujols thing, it's like, I, I don't think we would have, we certainly wouldn't have seen this. I don't know if we would have seen him at all, if not for the Universal DH. And I've been thinking a lot about what could have been this offseason in recent days because of the lockout that almost lopped 20 games off of the season. If that happens, what does this Aaron Judge chase look like? Is it always going to be one of the great what-ifs where he hits... 57 homers in 140 games and we all start mapping out the pace and we say he probably could have but we'll never know thankfully we're gonna get a resolution here uh we're 10 games away from the end of the season now he still has two to go i wouldn't say i saw him pressing this weekend he was still hitting doubles he hit a line drive single and a left in a game where he was hitless. He took his walks when they were given to him against Brian Bayo yesterday. He spat on two change-ups on 2-2 that were just below the zone and perfect. I wouldn't say he's in a rut. 
He's having good at-bats, but the fact remains, he went through an entire Red Sox series, four games, three full games, one shortened one, without a home run, now heads on the road, still chasing 61 and 62. Bert, has your opinion that the historic day is still coming, has that opinion changed at all watching these last five games? Uh, And do you have maybe a revised prediction for when you think, if you think, it'll get done? Yeah, I do think the judge is going to end up getting it. Although I will say, like, I think you're spot on with him, like, not pressing or anything because his at-bats were solid. It was it was weird watching a hometown, like, crowd boo one of their, like, players walking or getting a double. I thought that was just really strange. But um, I think he will get it. But if anything, just prove that he's human. Um, like, you can't just hit home runs all day every day. Like, I mean, baseball is hard. Um, but I think, if anything, Judge has proven this year – and even now um, that he can handle anything because this is about as tough of a situation as like he might face in a regular season because he's got everybody in baseball watching. He's got everything he's done is under a spotlight. Um, and I think it also is going to be a good indicator for teams how he's going to perform when he eventually gets that big contract because, as I mentioned, all the pressure he's got on him right now um, that's tough. And playing in New York makes it even bigger and tougher. So if I was a team, let's say the Giants, because I think that's going to be the, the Yankees' biggest competition for Judge, um, this would give me even more confidence that he could perform once he gets that big deal. So, um, But as, as you asked, I do think he gets it. I don't have an exact prediction on when he's going to get it, but I'm pretty confident he will get it. What, yeah, do you, what, what about you, Adam? Do you think he'll get it? I think he'll get it still. I do. I think we're looking at one in Toronto and then he comes home against the Orioles for three more games and he breaks it. He hits that 62nd. Um, It's been odd just because this isn't baseball, right? Even the home run hitters, even the big hulks, like 60 homers, right? That's a ton. People are now looking at every single judge game as if like he better homer today. And if he did that, then that's 162 in a season, right? The game isn't played this way where, you know, even the game's greatest sluggers are not supposed to homer every time they come to the plate. And we're getting these weird at-bats with huge cheers, massive ovations, then dead silence while he goes to work. And like you said, booze, if he walks, there were fans by the dugout chanting for the Yankees to blow a two-run save on Saturday just to get him back up in the bottom of the ninth. Can't condone that. How weird is that? Weird. And, like, and I don't know how many fans were genuinely doing that, but it was enough that Alex Cora was like, thank you. But also like, I don't, do I want this? I don't think I want this. Like I, I, I just don't, I think, I think he's been able to keep a great deal of focus. Uh, I'm not thrown off by the fact that it's been uh, five games without a dinger. It's, it's just an unnatural expectation. And he's such a team player that like, he doesn't want to go to the plate and be like, I think I'll hit a home run now. And, and, you know, if, if the situation dictates he spit on change ups or take a walk, single through the hole, he's going to do that. He's not going to change his game just to, yep. you know, try to get it out of the way quicker. No, I think you're dead on with that. And also, like, that kind of, like, it, it makes me wonder, and I've seen this question posed on Twitter. Let's say he gets to 61. Then he gets, like, he's waiting for 62. If you're a pitcher, do you throw him a meatball uh, to get him to 62? What do you think? 
Uh, you're talking like Jeter's last game style. Actually, are, am I allowed to talk about that? Jeter's on the board of directors here. Um, but I mean, the last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Jeter's then, yeah. Uh, yeah, and you, then, then you know what happened. happened. Yeah, we got our viewers. I got the. I'm watching the counter go up, and I'm pretty sure it's just a bunch of Jeter's burner accounts. Uh, but regardless, the end of Jeter's career was spectacular. They did feed him one, uh, whether they did or not. It kind of looked like it. Um, I do think if it's the O's and they're still in the wild card race, they're a little bit behind. We'll, we'll talk about them in a bit. Um, I think they probably compete, compete. But if he if it gets to the Texas Rangers series. Uh, my boys, my, my beautiful Texas Rangers, I think they probably do feed him something. Um, now, you mentioned the Giants. I, I want to talk about that because you have some insight on how you think they might handle this offseason. Um, in an unplugged, right, I, I'm not as plugged in as you are. I kind of feel as if they are the chief competition for Judge. A lot of Mets and a lot of Red Sox talk lately, but the Red Sox one makes no sense to me. The Mets, I totally get. I mean, Steve Cohen's going to be in the top three bidders for every free agent services for the rest of time, but hometown giants team, a lot of money, the books tried to mix and match last year and this year, and it only worked 50% of the time. Maybe we add a superstar to that mix. What are you hearing about the way their off season is going to work? I think they're going to be in a pretty strong position to spend pretty significant money here. And if you look at what their ownership even said on the record, uh, they mentioned that Judge is performing at a very high level, like they, they said that. And then they mentioned the free agent shortstop class. And if you look, it's probably going to feature Carlos Correa. It's going to have Trey Turner. And we know Farhan Zaidi came from the Dodgers, and they like very similar players. And Trey Turner just so happens to be with the Dodgers. And I'm wondering if the Giants could be in that market um, because they also have um, they have Brandon Crawford signed for next year, but they can move Turner to second base for a year and then have Turner go over to shortstop after Crawford is, is retired or plays elsewhere. I got to imagine he'll probably retire, just a guess. But um, I would be pretty surprised if the Giants did not. Or I would be surprised if they d- did not sign one of the big free agent players this year. Um and something that they have on their side is an ownership who's willing to spend. Farhan Zaidi has built this roster where they have so much flexibility. They don't have any of these long-term contracts on the books. So if they wanted to spend $35-plus million um, on a player per year, I think they're in a position to do it. Um, there's going to be plenty of teams who are going to be like in position to spend big money. I think the Cubs are going to be in that mix. Um, as Johnny in the comments asked, how you doing, Johnny? <laughs> if you um, hadn't mentioned the Cubs, I was going to prod you next on that because we, we owe Johnny one. I feel like uh, when I said, you know, it's the Mets and the Sox and the Giants, the Cubs are the other one to me who like, look, are they going to do it? I don't know, but there's room there. And it was not too long ago that they were a front-running NL team. Yep, exactly. And like, the, and they're also another team who is like probably going to end up spending big this winter too. Um, and they've already been connected to these shortstops. We've seen um, – Various reports, I think Bob Nightingale was one even, I think John Heyman was the other, um, talked to like rival executives who believe that they're going to end up getting like one of those shortstops. Um, I haven't heard any like, like things like that. Um, I mean, like that's, it's not a guarantee that they're going to sign on is what I'm trying to say. Like free agency brings twists and turns that you just don't foresee happening. Um, look at the Rangers getting Simeon and Corey Seager last year for an example there. Um, 
Oh, you want to know an oddball one, Adam? A team yeah. that might spend more than than you'd think? The Baltimore Orioles. I love it. And I know I shouldn't love it, but I do. Yeah, I'll tell you, they that talent, the young talent they got, and then um, they got so much money to like to work with here. And Michael Elias, like their GM, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up doing it. I think that's going to be a team where it wouldn't surprise me if they ended up making a big move. Um, so keep an eye on that one, Adam. I, I think we're going to have plenty of offseason discussions about that. Dude, I've been looking at, like, there were people talking about Correa last offseason to Baltimore when he was sort of frittering away on the market and agitating, and I was just like, you know what? I don't see it. Like, I get it. It's fun and nice, but I just don't see it. And now the Astros, people in the front office, plus the team reaching something close to its ceiling. I mean, it feels like every two weeks they call up a number one prospect, and not just number one in their personal system. But, like, Adley comes up. Gunnar Henderson takes the summer and becomes a number one prospect in baseball. He comes up. Grayson Rodriguez is coming back. He's top 10. Like Colton Kowser. There's name after name after name. They just drafted Jackson Holiday. Obviously, it's going to be a while for him. But the Orioles just keep cycling these tippy-top names in and out of the farm system. And they're, they're in the wild card race down to the last week of the season. Next year feels like the year where there is a window for them to compete. Exactly. And I'm, I'm in total agreement with you there. And I'll also I'll take the conversation with the Orioles a little bit further. Um, we've seen some of these teams get ahead of on their young players and extend them early. I wonder if the Orioles take that approach with Adley Rutschman, um, because that's not going to happen with Gunnar Henderson because he's represented by Scott Boris, and Boris never does those kind of deals. But um, Rutschman is not represented by Boris, so I wonder if there's going to at least be a chance there where they can end up doing a, a, a long-term agreement this early on. So. Um, I, I've had people around the game ask me that already. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we see certain deals like that um, throughout the league. Uh, we'll can't exactly get into that quite yet. Um, but like, yeah, it, it should be a fun off season. What I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I'm ready. And I'm excited to be joining this conversation as the off season. I mean, what's better than the playoffs in the off season? Certainly not May. <laughs> the all-star game i mean this is this is baseball's time to shine damn right it is and i'll tell you if, if you want all the inside info uh follow the baseball insiders please subscribe by the way because that actually like puts foods in our or food on our tables and like allows me to like actually live my life so please please subscribe we're just trying to live our lives i mean i hope that's not you know i hope that's not too much for you folks you, you find people are viewing and we're we're so excited that you're here um, the bare minimum expectation is that we live our lives. I mean, anyway. Uh, so we're we're excited to keep feeding you the scoops that you're looking for. A, a lot of questions beginning to pop up in the comments, um, and, and we'll get back to uh, the breaking news of the weekend and uh, what we're looking at in the MLB playoffs, just a brief little preview teams are scared of, et cetera, um, in a second. But let's deviate and just do some of these. Uh, let's, let's clean up some of these questions, folks. Uh, Jacob Bradley asking if Seattle would be in the mix for a top shortstop. Um, how do you feel about that and their reticence to join the market? I know obviously they were in it last year, um, but then they did extend Julio um, and they sort of threw some money at Robbie Ray. They have not been afraid to spend. It, it's never like they haven't been afraid to wheel and deal. Um, yep. But is there still that same reserve of money available now that Julio has been extended that there maybe was last offseason? 
You know, that's a good question. My inclination is probably not. Um, I still think they're going to be in a position to spend, but just not like they would, like they not like they were eyeing last year because there was a scenario where they thought about signing both Chris Bryant and Trevor Story, um, and that ultimately did not come to fruition. They went and got Robbie Ray uh, and used that money on um, on uh, who was it? Oh, on Julio Rodriguez. How did I almost forget Julio Rodriguez? That would. That's not. That's he's, not on the, he's on the IL. He's he's taking himself out of the last week of the wild card race. Not good. I'll tell you. Like, I will give them credit though for getting Luis Castillo signed. That was a very mm-hmm. smart extension. Um, and if you look at that rotation, by the way, Adam, like that's a very, very, very good looking group. I mean, they got um, they got Rod, Rod, not Rodriguez, but you got Castillo, you got Ray, you got Kirby. I mean, like that's a very strong unit. I think they're signed for at least the next four years. So, like, I mean, that's that's going to define the next era of Mariners baseball, along with Rodriguez and hopefully Jared Kalanick and and some of these other guys. Um, fun team, very fun team. Yeah, and again, like, if we're talking vibes versus data. Every time I watch Logan Gilbert, I'm like, well, that's a top ten pitcher in the AL. Like, that's the next Dylan Cease to me. Yep. Now, is is that true? I guess we'll we'll find out. But like, it, sometimes you just encounter guys on the right day, and every time I see Logan Gilbert. I, I go out of my way now to tune into Logan sure. Gilbert games because I stumbled onto him in the first half, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, "This guy dominates every time I watch." Um, yeah, and I can't believe I didn't mention him before. I'll tell you, I have that same exact thing as you. Like, he's one of those young pitchers where the last time I actually went out of my way to go watch a pitcher like that was actually Corbin Burns mm-hmm. uh, with Milwaukee. I Burns was somebody I was high on from the moment like I saw him in the minors, and he's turned out to be like a Cy Young award winner. I mean, Gilbert. Very good. It wouldn't surprise me if he actually becomes a Cy Young Award winner, but like he's got the goods. He's got the he's got the goods. Yeah. Twenty twenty three All Star game in Seattle for those paying attention to trying to scout how many Mariners are gonna make that team. Okay, over under four and a half. What are you taking? I'm taking over and I'm taking five. Yep, I'm right there with you. I think that's I think that's a good one right there. Yeah, I love him. Um let's do uh let's do Rob S too. Do you guys expect Toronto to trade Danny Jansen in the offseason needing to clear room for Gabriel Moreno, uh, I mean, yes, from me, but you're, you're more plugged in, so what are you thinking? Yeah, like, I'm a huge Danny Jensen fan, and I wouldn't just trade him just to trade him. I got to imagine there's going to be a market for him just because there's a lot of teams that are going to be looking at a guy like Jensen or looking for a guy like Jensen, I mean. Um, but, it, like, his presence also allows you not to be – or not to rush Moreno. So, like, let's say he's, like, let's say Jensen's still on the roster by – um, by spring training, like I mean, and you also get to see that Moreno isn't exactly ready for opening day, maybe. But like, I mean, I also don't think if a team calls about Danny Jensen that the Blue Jays are going to be hanging up the phone. Is yeah, I, I think that's certainly in play. But like, I'm not going to like guarantee it by any means. Yeah, it's always it's it's been a weird situation watching them like have Kirk try to weave Moreno in there, use a veteran back stuff like Jansen. Like most teams are out there searching for one catcher. And then Toronto's like, we got three who you could easily roll with for the entire year. So uh, a strange slate. Uh, And yeah, I would guess they're not done moving there either. Um, We'll get back to the comment section in a bit, but let's talk about the news uh, that sort of rocked the morning yesterday. Uh, We got Don Mattingly. Uh, I think the expectation was he would probably be out as Marlins manager. This feels like, uh, I don't know. I feel like I was I was ready for this in 2020. Then they ended their playoff drought. Then he kind of had a turbulent 2021. And now is the time where 
it's not a firing necessarily. It's it's sort of this mutual agreement, nebulous territory. But his yep. statement makes it clear he still wants to work. I think his future is probably in baseball in some capacity. But what was uh, your encounter with this information like? How did this uh, you know affect you? What were your thoughts learning that Mattingly was going to leave the Marlins? And uh, where does he go from here? I do think he's going to have a future in baseball. I don't know if it's going to be as a manager, um, but I was not surprised by this in the slightest. Um, there have been rumblings for the last couple months, actually, like this was a, a very real possibility. Um, and he's going on in a very good way. He was not fired, but like this was a mutual agreement of like, it's in the best interest of both sides to move on. Um and I know there's been a bunch of discussion on Twitter already about maybe he joins the Yankees in a different role. Um, I have not heard that. I'm not saying it's not a real thing, but I just haven't heard it at this point. Um, but he he deserves to go out in whatever way he wants to go um, early, and he gets he, he deserves to do whatever he wants to do. And for the Marlins, this allows their new ownership group that they ended up like that ended up taking over the team a couple of years ago along with uh, Kim Ang to hire their own manager. And this is going to be a crucial one um, because now that they have Gary Dembo out of this front office, this is Kim Ang's team and she's going to do what she wants to do. Um, and it's going to come from a roster perspective. It's also going to come from a managerial perspective. I'm wait- I'm trying to figure out who some of these candidates are going to be. Um, uh, actually, I'll give you a name that, um, you should follow on Twitter, actually, uh, for Marlins news. He's all over this kind of stuff. It's Craig Mish, a mm-hmm. uh, friend of the program. Uh, he's very good, especially with his Marlins stuff. Um, trying to scoop him on this on this Marlins managerial hire. Um, not get my hopes up, but, like, we should ask some insight probably in the next week or two on some of these names that they're going to consider. It's just a little early for that right now because Manningly is still, like, managing the team. <laughs> it's because, yeah, he's still uh, around. So <laughs> there's not yeah. – yeah, exactly. pretty – it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable regardless. And so we got this sort of resignation, you know, we'll all mutually see each other later type thing. But yeah, it would be very uncomfortable for him to be preparing to sort of play out the string here in Miami, but also encounter just a guy in a suit in the hallway like, oh, Donnie, I uh, I didn't expect to see you. Didn't you, uh, didn't you get let go? I to, sorry, am I interviewing for a different position? Yeah. So we'll, we'll wait on the names. Everybody definitely follow Craig. I, I follow Craig. He's on it too. Um, the yep. Yankee stuff I'm very reticent about just because we've seen how Yankee fans have turned on other coaches, managers, heroes, etc. Aaron Boone went from, you know, Red Sox, ALCS, Walker offer to public enemy number one just for, uh, for I don't know, winning, winning 100 and 103 games in his first two years managing the team. So Terrible. you get Mattingly in here without any pressure, like a bench coach role. I get it, but... I don't know, fire Boone, replace him with Mattingly? No, thank you. No, I'll tell you, Aaron Boone should be safe. I I, I have wondered. Uh, like, I mean, well, actually, Boone is safe, obviously. I mean, like yeah. that. I don't think that can be disputed. But um, I wonder, he's a very confident guy, but I wonder if hiring Mattingly in the bench coach role would have him looking over his shoulder if things went sour. Um, so I don't know. Like, maybe he goes into, a, like, a front office advisor role or something or – something along those lines. I'm, I'm very curious to see how that works, but um, man, I'm, I'll tell you, Aaron Boone, um, he, he's got his work cut off for him. That's a tough market and he's thrived so far. What is a hundred and 103 wins. And then he's doing whatever he's doing this year. 
I mean, I know yeah. I've got Turbo there for a while, um, but shout out to him. That's uh, He's done a good job. And give him credit. It got turbulent. And where are they now? They're nine up with 10 to play. Uh, I think a lot of us were writing him off as uh, biggest blown division lead in baseball history a couple of weeks ago. And he I was won a there. couple of key I series. I was there. I was doing that same thing. I was actually like, I was wondering in my head, if they blew that division lead and we're one and done in the postseason, is, is he going to get fired? Um, but I, I think we're going to avoid that scenario now. So that, that that's good at least. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was there. You were getting my negativity. I was, I was certainly among the people telling, like, it's already over. I don't like just being dismissive. People being like, they're still up six games. Me being like, might as well be down six games. Who cares? Um, and, you know, they re- they've rebounded spectacularly. So, um, overall confidence heading into the postseason. Who knows? Uh, but I, I do believe they're going to win that division now. And, and yes, I think he's probably saved his job. Let's talk the playoff bracket for a second. Um, yeah. Obviously, we we went a little bit deep on uh, the cards early, and uh, you know the the Mets being a little dangerous. The Guardians are a little bit dangerous. I I want to talk about them first because uh, I think you know you and I are both sort of in agreement that people have written them off for a while as that third seed, third division winner, the one we don't have to pay attention to because they're not the Astros and Yankees, and mm-hmm. who's on this team, and didn't they trade Francisco Lindor? Aren't they a one-man army with Jose Ramirez? Like this pitching factory, I don't know if I can get into the names beyond Shane Bieber, like these sort of faceless pieces being cycled in and out. They have personality. They have swagger. They have speed. They're the youngest team in baseball, and they are red hot on fire right now. Um, And now your Guardians are facing off against, unless things flip dramatically and they get the two seed, they're going to get that last wild card. Seattle is slumping. They have a weak schedule down the stretch, but they're without Julio. They look like, doesn't feel good to say it out loud, but they look like maybe the dead meat team of the 2022 postseason. Where are you on the Guardians and the sort of renewed uh, confidence from the AL Central champions, who, by the way, pulled out all the receipts this weekend after they clinched? I I love what the Guardians have done, man. They're fun. Like, they're really fun, and they beat you in so many different ways. They have, obviously, their pitching staff. Tristan McKenzie, Shane Bieber, like, I mean, those two have been awesome. Zach Klesak as well. Um, I mean, and then you also have their offense, too. They, I think they lead the league in infield hits. I, I believe that's the right stat. But they're very good on the base paths. Um, they steal a ton of bases. Um, what I'll tell you, it's just – and they also got um, – uh, Clause in the ninth inning, who's just been dominant this year. And they just got – I'm going back to this word. They got the vibes. They got they got good vibes on that team. And they're not – I don't think they're going to win the, the World Series this year. Um, they're going to have their work cut off for them if they um, – or once they get into the postseason, like they're going to be probably like the lowest rated team or among the lowest rated teams in terms of odds. Um, but that team is once again going to be in position to uh, contend in future seasons. And you know what? I, I'll actually take a moment now to eat crow um, because after they traded Lindor, after they traded uh, Mike Clevenger, after they traded a lot of these guys, I was like, what are the Guardians and their front office doing? Because um, they finally had good juju surrounding the team, and then they traded some of these guys away when it was time to pay them up. Um, 
and yet they keep churning it out with pitching. Uh, Stephen Kwan has been unbelievable this year in his rookie year. Like, he was not on my radar um, going into opening day. He made the opening day roster, and in the first week he took the league by storm. Um, and it's just continued throughout this entire year. I do think we could see some changes once again in the offseason with the Guardians. I would not be surprised in the slightest that they traded Zach Plesak. Um, but they are set up to once again be very good next year um, and in future seasons too. But they got the vibes this year, man. Maybe they pull off a playoff round one upset. Who knows? But I wouldn't rule anything out with them now, especially with the way they're playing. My goal is to turn this into a vibier podcast, and I feel like we're we're getting there already. You're dropping oh, a lot we're of yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, the boys are buzzing right now. We're, morale is very high. Got to love it. Got to love it. The clubhouse. The clubhouse has changed. Um, I mean, you, Tristan McKenzie is one of my guys, too. I mean, just like Logan Gilbert. I, every time I watch that guy, he dominates, and he dominates in a unique way. Stephen Kwan, that thing, it's an underrated modern baseball thing where sometimes the dudes who are absolutely ripping it up at AAA – do not get the call and they do not get the window and the chance to prove themselves. And the fact that they can rake in the high minors, why can't they rake in the bigs? They give him the opening day roster spot and he's hitting from opening day on. Um, I wonder about that last spot though. The, the Mariners who we just did praise significantly. And yes, they do have Luis Castillo. He is locked up. He is healthy. As far as we know, the Orioles are charging and, and, the Orioles are charging would have been a more legitimate statement if they'd finished off both of those last two against Houston, where they sort of just missed really snuffing out the Astros fire. But that said, they're four out with 10 remaining. That's a, that's, that's a chunky gap. And the Mariners are playing some bad teams, but the O's go to Fenway Red Sox eliminated. Like we said, last place team, nothing to play for other than make the Orioles miserable. We'll see if they're able to, uh, and the O's go to Yankee stadium. The Yankees are hoping they've clinched at that point. Who knows? Do the Orioles have any chance to make up these final four games on a Mariners team that is certainly reeling for the first time since May or so? You know, I I wouldn't rule it out. With the way the Mariners are playing right now with Julio Rodriguez in the IL, um, I, I would not rule anything out at this point. And the Orioles are another team that they're fun. They're energetic. They got the vibes, as we like to say now. I'm telling you, I like that we're going to a vibe-year podcast. That's what we're doing. Um, I'm telling you, that's the way to, that's the way to roll in 2022. But it, there, it's going to take a lot for it to happen uh, for the Orioles to end up catching the Mariners. Because right now, they're four games back. And that is going to take quite the effort. Um, so I'm going to say probably unlikely. I think the Mariners are going to end up snagging that last spot. Uh, hopefully Julio is back by then. Um, I believe he's going to be lined up that he will be. Um, but yeah, I, I would be pretty surprised if the Orioles snuck in, but this is the first year of what should be an extended run for the Orioles. And I can't wait. It also makes the AL East, like, as you know, Adam, you watch the AL, you, you watch the AL East quite a bit as a, uh, an undisclosed teams fan or yeah, as a fan of the undisclosed team. Yeah. Again, did uh, any of you guys Google? Cause it's, it's readily available information, but if not, yeah, yeah. very, but um, yeah, I'll tell you there, that division is going to be fun, man. Plus I think the Red Sox are going to be good too. Um, they, I don't think they're, they're going to continue to struggle like this. No, they're never a doormat. That's the thing with the Red Sox. Like I, I take these seasons. I'm a Yankee fan, uh, hand up more Yankee fan representation in the media. 
this is the first podcast ever with two co-hosts where one of them is not a Boston sports fan. I think it's actually a, a record. This is the first one uh, where that's the case. Uh, I think but, so, too. I just I, put the lives and they confirmed. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. I just... Yeah, I checked my database. I briefly scrolled Twitter, and everybody was uh, – it was just Sox fan, Sox fan, Sox fan. Uh, this is uh, – yeah, this is a non-Barstool podcast, and we're not talking about the Red Sox. But, yeah, the offense is the offense is always there, right? Even this year, there that's fearsome, you know, maybe not one through nine, but certainly one through six. Uh, they also are never a doormat. They spend when they fail. Uh, yep. Ownership, they took a weird sit back this year, and Bloom made some questionable moves, but – I don't think it's the ownership's mandate for them to not spend. So I think the Rays are going to be the Rays forever. The Jays are in a position to be extremely potent for years. And I think maybe some people have been disappointed by what they've seen this year, but those people are all going to come back. Uh, the Orioles are obviously making a statement. The Red Sox are going to vacillate, but they're going to make their team better this offseason. And if the Yankees let Aaron Judge go, they're certainly in danger. Uh, but again, also, you know, I, I'm pessimistic by nature, but the Yankees are also the Yankees. So I'm not going to pretend as if they're going to disappear from the picture entirely. Uh, my question about the Yankees is they're entering the postseason hot for sure. Hotter than they were no longer talking about historic collapse, just talking about lining things up, but the rotation is not going to look the way that many thought it would, especially at the trade deadline when they got Frankie Montas to be their number two starter for the postseason. Now it's Garrett Cole in the one, Nestor Cortez in the two. Uh, you might find some locals who think they should swap those two, but they're not going to. Nestor will certainly be your game two starter. After that, it's Luis Severino, maybe on a pitch count. Jamison Tyone could work his way in there. Domingo Herman could work his way in there. It's different than we expected because Montas's shoulder is still barking. Now, if not for that trade uh, and the ripple effects of surrendering a bunch of AAA arms for Montas – then dealing Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader. Monty could be a Yankee. He is not. Bader, though, finally back and sort of turning the team on its head. So now this is a complicated discussion when it might have been a clear Cashman failure a couple weeks ago. Uh, If you're the Yankees and you're looking objectively, would you rather have kept Montgomery and he'd still be in the playoff rotation now or traded for Montas, who may be a non-factor, but then you do have Harrison Bader, the best defensive center fielder in baseball, manning the outfield. Do you do you erase that trade? Do you undo it, or do you stick with where we are? It's a great question. If you would have asked me this a week ago, I would have given you a different answer because mm-hmm. Bader's back, and his defense in center field has added some life to that Yankees team. It's like it's added a new dimension and they've sought that center fielder for a while now. And they finally got it with Bader as long as he can stay healthy. His offense has always been a question. It's been better in recent years, but um, his defense has always been like his calling card and adding that dimension. I think that's a a rare one where it's a win-win trade. Um, The the Bader for Montgomery because Montgomery has been awesome in, in St. Louis um, and I think Bader, his early signs, if he continues this, is looking like a win from the Yankees' perspective. So I like that trade. Um, the Montas one is a little trickier um, in the fact that, obviously, he's got another shoulder injury. It's his second one of the year. It's barking again, um, and it's happening at the most critical point. And a big reason why the Yankees acquired him was, was to pitch now. 
But what makes this deal sting a little bit less, um, just from the early results, is that he's got another year of control. So it's not like they were going all in, all in for this year. I mean, they they put their chips in the middle for sure. Um, but they're also set up to have him next year, and you got to think he'll be healthy at that point. Um, so it's not like a total loss. But that being said, for this year, that deal looks like a swing and a miss. Um, and I was very surprised that the Yankees also did not get another starting pitcher because um, Pablo Lopez, I'm pretty convinced that deal was close. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some pretty definitive people like at the deadline, I remember saying, like they were telling me like they, they thought this deal was happening. Like the word close was thrown out a couple times, um, but it ultimately never happened. And if the Yankees would have gotten that another starting pitcher like Lopez, I'm wondering what the conversation today is looking like because it might have been a little bit different. And there would be no Glaber Torres there too, if you want to talk. Uh, you know, both that's also a very, good point. very good point. Yeah, is that is I, that legitimate? Were you hearing sort of the same rumblings? So I I've not heard Torres's name. Like I I wasn't able to fight, like definitively get an answer on that. Um, but I know there was like a bunch of speculation about it. So like we'll pretend. Um, like we'll pretend that it was real. So from your perspective, Adam, they make that trade. Torres is not a Yankee. What are we looking at right now? Like in terms of the Yankees? Yeah. Oswald, Oswald Peraza, probably not a Yankee in that instance too. Uh, Torres had like the worst August you'll ever see. He was, uh, I think he batted a hundred, if not lower, uh, with no power, a lot of swing and miss stuff clearly affected by the deadline rumors. I mean, you and I, uh, you know, whether it was legitimate or not, he heard the same thing we did. So he was thrown off, Uh, you know, whether whether that's what broke him or not, I I can't guarantee. But I do know he didn't look like himself and they're probably not starting the clock on Anthony Volpe. So you're looking at a situation where it's Oswaldo Cabrera at second base every day. Andrew Benintendi in the outfield also got hurt. Matt Carpenter is hurt. Like it's it, it works out if those guys stay healthy in fantasy land, but they didn't. And so they would have been really short staffed without Glaber's bat who's rebounded and is now in the heart of the lineup pretty firmly. So I, I too agree that they were a pitcher short at the deadline and there was a move to be made that wasn't made, but yep. I can in good conscience say you got to flip Labor Torres. No, I mean, it, like that's a guy that they've been adamant about holding on to despite some of his struggles that he's had, like they've not wanted to part with him. And for good reason, like we're getting to see it. And um, yeah, there's been ups and downs, but like, this talent speaks for itself. Like I, I would have kept them too, and holding on to them, I think, is the right move. So, that being said, I'm very curious to see what the Yankees do in the offseason because it could end up being. I mean, it's got obviously got to focus on Judge, but what other starting pitcher do they get? Um, and I like. There's also the other New York team that is pretty interesting to me in that regard. We don't have this on our rundown or anything, Adam. Um, but Jacob DeGrom is, is probably going to opt out. Uh, he's even said so on the record. And actually, we might have this on the run now, so I'm getting getting ahead of it now. So, But anyways, um, he's a kind of guy who could end up getting a three- or four-year deal worth more than what Max Scherzer got per year. I think he will get that deal. Um, let's say he leaves. Let's say he goes to a team like the Texas Rangers. Um, who are going to be looking for starting pitching this winter? Who is their backup plan? And I'm like the one that I'm I'm wondering about early on is Justin Verlander. Um, I think that name makes a whole lot of sense for them. 
just me connecting the dots at this point. But like, I wonder if he'd be their, their backup plan if they end up losing the Grom. Just just throwing it out there. It's something I've been thinking about, and we'll let's play a quick game of contract. Would you rather? Because I just know there are a couple Ooh. of these little tricky ones. Uh, this is going to be a new segment that we're going to drop at the end of some of these episodes. Just these are yep. these are all projections, and and some of these are contracts that are already signed. Some of them are free agents to be. I'm just going to put the onus on you. Give me your answer of in a vacuum who you would rather be feeding this money to, um, and that is sort of a big one. So uh, you know. Verlander feels like a backup plan. His career is not going to last too much longer. It can't, right? It has it has to end. It must. Yep. Simply must. Um, but he's got a year or two left, you would think. DeGrom, not the healthiest arm, but certainly going to be shooting for that slightly longer term. Like, I don't know. What do you think? He gets a four-year deal after this? Would you rather... Pay DeGrom, people are talking about a 40 million AAV. Let's say four years, 160 for DeGrom, or two pretty chunky years of Verlander for estimated 70 million. Where are you going? I would take DeGrom um, in that scenario um, for a couple reasons. One, because DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. Um, like, I, I don't think that can be disputed. Um, and then if you look at Verlander, I would not do a straight-up two-year deal. I would look at a pretty similar arrangement to what they have right now in Houston where he's got the one year with an option. Um, I, I would be more open to doing that at a lower AAV because I think two years for, what, $70 million is what we had. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's a pretty steep price. And also Mark Powell, another fan-sided legend, um, makes a very good point here that when he's healthy for DeGrom, I mean, that's not – in recent years, that's not always been the case. I mean, more often than not, he's been on the IL and not pitching. Um, so that's obviously a very that's that's a big gamble, um, but the reward to me is worth it. Um, I also wonder, like, this is me really spitballing here. I want to like make it clear this is not inside information, mm-hmm. but it makes sense for a team like the Dodgers to be on Jacob Degrom. As crazy yeah. as that sounds, because they have. They've done that kind of deal in the past with Trevor Bauer. Um, they have short-term, like, big-money contract. Um, and DeGrom, like, he fits that mold uh, for that kind of a deal very well. I would be very open to doing that kind of contract if I was them. Um, and I, what, but they're not paying Bauer next year, right, because he's suspended. So, yeah, I mean, they be. have that money on the books. So maybe, just maybe, they could end up on DeGrom. So, that, uh, that's how my mind is already working. We're already trying to come coming up with these kind of scenarios here. So. I feel you there, too. I mean, again, that's why I keep just throwing the little tidbits of cold water on the Dodgers. It's not like I don't believe in the team that has 106 wins. It's just a scenario where let's say they drop game one or two of a series, like Urias or Kershaw loses a game. It's 1-1 in the set. And then you're saying, all right, it's the Dodgers. Of course they'll bounce back. They're handing the ball to Tyler Anderson. Doesn't exactly have that name pedigree. Dustin May for a couple innings. Tony Gonsolin after having a forearm strain. Andrew Heaney, who I've had plenty of experience with. Like It's just it's the fact of the matter. If they don't go up 2-0 in a set, they're going to be handing the ball to somebody where the opposition is, you look at the numbers, you might get scared. 
but you look at the names and you're you're not I'm not saying you're licking your lips. I'm just saying you think you have a chance. So if yep. somebody like DeGrom presents himself for an ace or a Rodon, like especially with Kershaw hitting free agency again and, and the comment section is talking about that and he's in our next yep. hypothetical, like the names on the Dodgers, you know, pitching staff are not exactly the marquee ones, even right now. And you take Kershaw away, you really gotta fill one in. Yeah, you absolutely do. And I think the, the name Carlos Rodon makes a lot of sense for them because it's the left-hander um, that they would end up losing if Kershaw leaves. Then you also, I mean, if you really want to go, I, and I apologize to Jacob Bradley um, because he said <laughs> don't bring up the ground of the Dodgers bird. Yeah, we're uh, sorry, man. Well, he'll, uh, he'll really, I'll, I'll, I'll apologize in advance for this one. But the Dodgers, they were in on a guy like Juan Soto this year. They were, what, the number three team in the bidding for him? Mm-hmm. If they had the prospect capability to be in the running for Juan Soto, what better consolation prize consolation prize than um, Shohei Otani? Um, oh. And, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, it gives you that ace-like pitcher, also a very good bat. I'm telling you, man, at, uh, I think we're going to hear Otani's name quite a bit in the offseason, just as like a trade rumor kind of name. But like that being said, I don't think Artie Marino is going to trade him. So I think it's more unlikely than anything. But yeah, and I told you, as as promised, Jacob Bradley is very upset with me in the comments. Jacob is, so, Jacob's not happy at all. And, and no. Jacob, uh, rest assured, every time you come back to the podcast – uh, we are guaranteed to make you upset. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true at all. Please come back. Well, actually, that is the goal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Love Jacob. <laughs> the new era is just making Jacob Bradley mad. <laughs> um, what about Kershaw? Um, I feel like the latest on Kershaw is you're not going to – he's not getting a second year. So, theoretically, you're probably going to pay about 20, 25 mil max to one of the one of the generation's greatest pitchers, one of the greatest pitchers we've ever seen – uh, and he's getting it year to year at this point, which makes you think he's more likely to be a Dodger than go anywhere else. But there was some Texas station last year. We just don't know. Uh, do you feel like you're better off paying Kershaw that one final legacy year where you're sort of in danger of maybe this being the one where he falls off a little bit versus paying maybe three years at a similar AV to Chris Bassett? Just that steady presence, that number three starter, high dependability, who are you in this scenario? Are you the gambler? Are you the risk taker with Kershaw? Or are you paying for the steadiness? And is it even a risk? Like, are, are those guys even really that comparable? Yeah, I don't know if they're comparable, but I, I like where you're going with it. I'll take Bassett, though, um, because I am I like the steady presence. I know Kershaw, his markets could either be the Dodgers or the Rangers, because that's what it was last year. Um or, or, or retirement, but I think you mentioned there was a report that he's probably going to play in next year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that rules out 28 other teams. But Chris Bassett, I'm a huge fan of his. I have been since he was in Oakland. Um, and the Mets getting him, I'll tell you, when they got Bassett and paired him with the Grom and Scherzer, like that was just, that was banana land. I remember, like, because I remember Passon was the one who broke that. And it was just like, one, I was upset that I wasn't the one who broke it. Um, but two, it was just like the Mets, I mean, they just keep coming at you. Um, and they have so many different arms. And and adding Bassett, who is like, who's almost a forgotten man in New York now. Um, 
I, I would definitely take three years of him because he's proven now that he can pitch in New York. And that's, as I mentioned earlier, that's a very tough market to play in. So I would take Bassett in that scenario just because of the risk of Kershaw and how much I like Bassett too. I think I would too. And and I could do this all day and I will. We're going to bring the segment back. And so I'm going to keep piling these up. But I'll hit you with one more before we leave because I know these are some guys that you really like and who you're keeping tabs on. Uh, Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts. Bogarts is going to opt out. Turner is a free agent. Uh, he's dropping breadcrumbs. He says he will come back to the Dodgers. Whether he wants to or not, smart to keep that market open. But I don't know. I mean, Bogarts probably, I think he's going to get over. I've got him at five years, maybe six. Doesn't feel like he's going to get that eight or nine year mega deal. Turner, probably at least eight. And yeah. those two, you know, you could have Bogarts on the slightly shorter term deal. You'd have Turner on the lengthy one. Or you could have the last nine years of the 10-year, $325 million deal Corey Seager signed last offseason in Texas. Which of those three are you opting for? It's a great question. You can't go wrong with any of those guys. Um, but that being said, I would go with Trey Turner. Um, I had an executive who is um, who is very wise. He told me that Turner is the best free agent this winter, even over Carlos Correa or any other player on the market. And he said he's also going to age more gracefully than other players too. Um, and I, I would be more than happy to give him eight years for 260 or 270. Um, I would not hesitate at it because I think that deal has the, like as the executive put it, he's going to age gracefully. He's also a superstar, uh, great defensively. Uh, also gives you a very good slide aesthetic too. Um, like his slide is the best in baseball by far. Um, but like from a talent perspective, um, I think it just makes so much so much sense. It's not a knock on Bogarts or Corey Seager. It's just how much I like Trey Turner because I think he's an absolute superstar. I agree with you. And I think if I'm trying to build a team this year, I'm going to try to get the best and worst slide aesthetics on the same roster uh, give me Turner for the big bucks and then give me Daniel Vogel back uh, on a cheap one year deal just so I can have uh, elite speed and grace and then the belly flop king uh, of the universe sort of matched up against each other. Um, Bert, we did it. We got to the end of the rundown. We did an app. Who would have thought? I'll tell you, this is one of many episodes that we're going to end up doing, hopefully, with the, to last a lifetime, everybody. Um, I want to give Adam a huge shout out for doing this with me. Um, Adam, I love him to death. I have since I got the fan sided. He's great. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to Carm too. Yes. Um, Carm has done so much for me in my career. Um, he's also been a great friend and he joined CHGO, um, covering the bears, doing a wonderful job already. He looks super happy, loving life. Um, wish him the best. Um, even though he, he left us, he's, he betrayed us. Um, Never can forgive him for that. But all jokes aside, like we love Carm. Um, yeah, absolute G. So shout out to Carm. Thank you very much for changing my life. Love you very much, Carm. I love you too um, in a different way. I mean, I, yeah, Bert, Bert loves you. I love you as well. Um, yeah, you've always been someone who's talked me up, inspired me to be better and improve my on-camera persona and work. And, and I've never hosted before. You hosted. You hosted me. Now I'm hosting, uh, co-hosting with the incredible Robert Murray, our MLB insider. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us for the episode today. Uh, sticking with two times a week here. We're going to be back with a lot of baseball insiders for you because uh, the game is changing. 
not just in the rules department. There is uh, constant swirl, playoff bracket all moving, players changing teams, switching hands, momentum being generated by others and sucked away by other teams towards the bottom of the division. Who will be a spoiler down the stretch? Who will ride their momentum all the way to a ring? We're going to be taking you through all of it, as well as all of the machinations of the offseason. Uh, if you're tuning in now, you're subscribing now, please hit that button. You could not be joining at a more exciting time. And I don't only say that because this is my first episode. I say that because nothing nothing is better than October baseball and the offseason that follows it. Uh, Bert, I can't wait to do this with you a couple times a week, man. And this was uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for having me and for uh, keeping it running smoothly. Yeah, man, absolutely. Let's uh, let's be great, man. Let's uh, let's dominate the scene here. But I appreciate everybody watching, by the way, and adding commas and whatever. It makes it uh, even more enjoyable with Adam. So thank you. I can't wait for the rest of this. We'll see you on Thursday, same time. And if we didn't get to your question, please show up, you drop your comments, and subscribe. Your podcast is everywhere where podcasts are found. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, until next time, everybody, we'll see you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.